Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Donnie Nelson. Uh, glad to be here this morning. Pastor Ray invited me and uh, Rick Braswell, wherever he went. Uh, so he's my battle buddy in the Coast Guard. Rick, uh, I'm with him all the time throughout the week. I'll be up in Georgia this week for a few days, and Rick is uh, covering all of Sector Miami. So it's a lot of work for you. Appreciate you. Uh, but essentially, um, um, I grew up in Tennessee. And just give you a little bit of background on me before I begin. Um, so I joined the Navy out of Miami, actually. Uh, came down here. I was working in Broward uh, for VTOS, if you all are familiar with that. I was a chaplain here. And so just um, I enjoyed what I did, but I just felt this calling uh, to be a Navy chaplain. And I had an Army chaplain actually mentor me. Uh, he served as my mentor. He told me if he could do it all over again, he would go Navy. And I thought that was pretty confusing. Uh, but his reasoning why is because in the Navy you get to see a more diverse uh, community. You get to be with the Marines. You get to be with the Navy, and you get to be with the Coast Guard. Um, so I was like, cool, let's do that. And so uh, I got in. I had to interview in the Pentagon in uh, Washington, D.C., and I was super nervous. Um, and essentially they allowed me in, which was a blessing. Uh, but before I moved to my first duty station, uh, they called me. The detailer did and said, hey, we're sending you to 29 Palms. He said, it's the Miami version of California. And I was like, wow, sounds great. I can't wait to get there. Uh, it was the complete opposite. Uh, my detailer lied to me. He was a chaplain. I was very confused. Uh, so essentially, uh, 29 Palms, if you're not familiar, it's about an hour and a half, two hours from everywhere. <laughs> two hours from L.A., two hours from San Diego, probably three hours from Vegas, uh, right in the middle of the desert, middle of nowhere. And that's where Marines usually hang out at. So my first two years were with Marines. So I learned resiliency, uh, you know. I learned uh, understanding of when times are tough, you know, what to, what to do with your faith, trust in the Lord. And so I had my Moses experience for my first two years out in 29 Palms. And then from then, uh, the Marines joked with me because we were in CLB 7. They called it Cell Block 7. They said, Chaps, you're getting down on good behavior. So they sent me to, uh, to Japan. So I stayed in Japan. I was the installation chaplain uh, right below uh, Mount Fuji at Camp Fuji, Japan. And it was beautiful there. Every morning I saw this huge mountain, um, just a beautiful experience um, serving the Marines there. And then uh, from there I moved to San Diego. I spent a little over two years there in San Diego um, on the USS Portland. Um, it's about the size, about 800 foot long, if you're familiar with ships. It's, it's a big one. Um, we haul about 700 Marines around. And so I was able to deploy last year with them. And so I was gone for about seven months. Uh, deployed with them, and that's where I had my first encounter with the Coast Guard, other than I knew that they were in small boats, you know, and, and, and did awesome things around the uh, United States. I didn't realize I would see them in the middle of the Middle East, and so, um, you know, it was a, a nice hot day in Fifth Fleet, which is essentially near Bahrain, and I went up, and I was like, I need some sun, because every day you're stuck on a ship, you want to see the sunlight at least once, so I went up about noon, um, I looked outside, and I was like, uh-oh, things aren't good. I saw 10 Marines lined up with uh, rifles drawn, pointing at the water uh, where there was a, I won't say what country, but there was some bad actors out there, um, you know, that wanted to do harm to my ship. And then we had the Coast Guard uh, that was in tandem with them, keeping them at bay and away from my ship, which made me grateful. And then I happened to be right next to my captain, and I said, sir, are we good? And he said, yeah, chaps, we're fine. Um, and so he was cool, calm, and collected. I was like, oh, God, this is not good. Uh, 
you know, the reason for our prayer today, you know, our sermon today, <laughs> um, you know, is on quiet strength. And so that's kind of where I was at that day. I needed some prayer, and thankfully we got out of there safely. Um, and so that leads us to our message today, and that was my introduction to the Coast Guard. And so right now I cover as a chaplain from Fort Pierce all the way to Homestead. So I'm on the roads a lot. And so pray for me, um, you know, if you think about me, but um, to survive my daily commute. Um, but I'm going to read the word today. So this is Philippians 4, 6 through 9, and this is kind of where our conversation, our messages um, today. Um, and so it's Ephesians, not Ephesians, it's Philippians 4, 6 through 9. And these are other verses. Um, God's word says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, Whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things. What you've heard, learned, and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Uh, Let's pray before we begin. Uh, God, just use this word, Lord, to help cultivate um, strength in us, Lord. When we are down and out and we're facing difficulties and hardships, Lord, let us recall these verses that will infuse us with your strength. And that will help our minds as we deal with worry and concerns to draw us back to you. Uh, bless our time together and bless the reading and the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So today's topic is quiet strength. And so essentially, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Tom Landry. Uh, some of the older community in the room might be. But Tom Landry, uh, one of the most famous coaches, uh, coached the Dallas Cowboys. Um, team several years ago, although he was a believer in Jesus Christ, one of the, his coaches' uh, attributes about him um, was his quiet strength, was his ability to keep calm in the midst of battle. The television cameras would often you know, focus in on him on the sideline with his arms crossed and this peace about him seeming very relaxed amidst the chaos on the field and the team hanging in the balance. In one of his written testimonies, he revealed the secret of his calmness under pressure. And Tom Landry said, Most of the athletes who fail to become winners are those athletes whose fears and anxieties prevent them from reaching their full potential. I overcame my fears and anxieties by a commitment to something greater than football and winning a game, a commitment to Jesus Christ. So Landry's right. The answer to fear and worry and anxiety in our life is our commitment to Jesus Christ. So even Christians, we can suffer from anxiety and fear and worry. And so even though Paul devoted only four verses to this subject in the book of Philippians, he diagnosed the problem, he prescribed a cure, he recommended a program, and he made a promise to the Philippians. So what he said to them has been a source of great encouragement to all who are prone to let their fears and worries take control of their lives. The problem, number one, is worry. I think we all can agree we have worries in our lives. Um, and so that's important for us 
to know the word. Uh, it says here, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so worry is our problem. What is worry? Well, we worry when we imagine the future in a terrible way. John Piper says that anxiety seems to be an intense desire for something accompanied by fear of of consequences, of something that we may not receive. Uh, The desire entails something we value, such as money, relationships, jobs, um, a loved one. Worry involves imagining a future in a worst-case scenario and then freaking out about it. I spent several years in school uh, getting a college degree and getting a master's degree and studying a lot, taking tests. Um, And I would often have this random, you know, kind of freak out, you know, dream at night that I've already missed the test or I missed turning my paper in on time. Um, And so I'd freak out about it. You know, so I'd spend several years in school occasionally having this repeat nightmare that a paper's due and I didn't turn it in on time. To be clear, uh, there's a difference between a worry in our life and an alarm. Uh, The things that alarm us may be helpful, you know, that may call us back to our attention on responsibilities and the task of the day. And sometimes alarms will go off in our mind to take out the trash, finish an assignment, and respond to someone in need. One may call this a good anxiety. And good anxiety calls us to perform our responsibilities. But negative worry is different. Uh, John Ortberg, a famous uh, author and pastor, said in a sermon on worry... He described worry as carrying an around alarm clock all day. And that would be difficult, right? (laughs) Or alarming. (laughs) So can you imagine what kind of day that would be? And you live with self-defeating thoughts of worry. Well, there's a remedy, and that remedy is prayer. Prayer is the antidote to worry. Crushing anxiety happens when I believe a lie. So, uh, kind of furthering up this in my research on prayer... Um, Believe me, there is research out there. I came across some good stats on prayer, um, and it revealed that 40% of the things that we worry about never comes to happen. Hmm. Uh, 30% of the worries are related to past matters that are out of a person's control. And 12% have to do with anxiety about our health, even though there is no illness except in our imagination. And then 10% is worrying about our friends or neighbors even though in most cases there's no reason for the anxiety, and just 8% of the worries seem to have a basis in reality. So what does all this mean? It means that we worry about things that will never happen. Most things that make us worry are the things that haven't happened yet. So that leads us to our next point. The prescription is prayer. So we've got the problem of worry, and then we've got the prescription is prayer. Prayer is the antidote. And if you're anything like me, usually I'm not really thinking about prayer when things are going crazy around me, although I need to be. Um, But I often will worry about the problem instead of going to the source, you know. And so prayer is that source. So sometimes we pray after a bad situation, but uh, they say to be prayed up. You know, pray in the morning, have your alone time with your coffee and Jesus, and pray about the things that you'll face in your day. Um, And so the marvelous contrast between verse 6 and nothing be anxious about everything by prayer let your requests be made known to God so everything is included in prayer that it might be excluded from care so we are we need to be uh, we are not to be careful but prayerful 
So it is not new truth that many of us, that prayer is a great comfort in times of difficulty and hardship. Uh, prayer is a, uh, a mighty war- warrior against worry. So prayer fuels us. It gives us strength we need for the daily challenges of life. It is easy to be confused about the way prayer actually works for us in such stressful and difficult days. When we pray, it doesn't mean that everything will be straightened out. However, it does mean that God is in control. Um, He may not rescue us from that situation or that person, uh, but he will give us the strength to overcome that obstacle. So what type of prayer does God hear? He hears a humble prayer. Humility is the key to prayer. Um, If any of you are familiar with Aladdin, um, yes, I wish Aladdin was true. And we make a wish and get our way. I'll have several wishes for him. Um, However, that doesn't always um, happen in life. Only children demand a happy ending to every story. How old must we be before we begin to realize that even prayer can't get us everything we want? Unless the thing we want is right before us. So who gets breaks in prayers? Unfortunately, nobody. We get what God in his infinite love and foreknowledge sees fit to give us. So if prayer does not always change the situation so that it no longer worries us, then what is the value of praying? Well, here's the answer. Prayer does not always change the situation, but it makes us better. Prayer always changes us and makes us better. So prayer, especially prayer, accompanied with thanksgiving, is the perfect answer to a heart that is full and overwhelmed by anxiety. In prayer, anxiety is resolved to trust in God. That which causes the anxiety is brought to the one who is totally competent, in whose hands that we trust that matter to. In thanksgiving, we offer that to God. He is all-wise, all-loving, sovereign, and has appointed um, us as his attention. So he will meet us where we are. Prayer takes up the the anxiety-provoking question of how. How shall I cope with this difficult situation? How shall I cope with any obstacle I'm facing? And the answer is looking to Jesus. You know, what are you looking at today for your hope, for your strength, when difficulties arise? And I would say look to Jesus with his resources and his promises, and take him at his word. So thanksgiving addresses itself to the worrying question of why by pointing us to God, who always acts with purpose and whose purposes never fail us. Great is his his faithfulness. We're faithless, which for me is occasionally, (laughs) he's faithful. He's always faithful to us, no matter where we are, what we're facing, uh, he's always there for us. I just uh, Paul addresses this in about four verses here. Uh, on Here's a few words that we're going to dive into here in verse 6. Just reminding you again, verse 6 is, says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Philippians 4, 6. So the first word that we're looking at is prayer. You know, what is prayer? Well, prayer is a general word for over offering up our desires to God. Uh, supplication follows that, and it comes from a Greek word meaning entreaty and pictures the petitioner as a subject who comes humbly before uh, their master with a need that must be met. And I think of a little kid going to its mom, saying, Mom, I need that, I need that. And they're like, well, you don't need that, but you might need that. 
So I, I feel that's like a child coming to its, its mom or dad saying, I need this. That verb form of this in, in the original means to want. And so thirdly, request. Request stands for particular items on our prayer list that we're praying for. And then lastly, thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is, is very important um, because thanksgiving reflects that humble attitude of the person praying. It demonstrates that prayer is being offered with a heart that's saying, whatever your will is, Lord. In all prayer, we are to be thankful. And certainly Paul set the example. His heart was full of thankfulness and praise. He taught the Ephesians church that thanksgiving is a byproduct of being spirit-filled. And that comes from Ephesians 5.18, which says, Be filled with the Spirit, giving thanks for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, my dad is facing some illness. i got to see him later today. I've got a long drive ahead of me. But I'm filled with, with worry, like what's going to happen with my dad? You know, but I just continue to take that, that burden to the Lord and say, God, you know, you know what's best. You know what the doctors need to do. And so that's what we do with our worries and our concerns. We take them to God. So what can worry do? Uh, well, it never keeps a trouble from overtaking you. It gives you indigestion and wakeful hours at night. And it fills you with gloom, however fair and bright. It, it puts a frown on your face and a sharpness in your tone. That's what worry does. But what can worry do? It never added a single minute to the day. Uh, Matthew tells us in Matthew 6.27, And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to your lifespan? I have done a lot of worrying in my life, so I've, I've missed this verse a few times in my life. Um, it's a thief of our time, is what worry is. It's a joy killer. It keeps a trouble from overtaking you. So why do we pray? Why do we pray? We pray because it really does change things. It arranges life anew. It's a good for your digestion. It gives you peaceful sleep at night, giving that burden to the Lord. And it fills the gloomiest day. And believe me, I had several of those gloomy days when I was stuck on a ship for seven months, floating around in the middle of, um, you know, the Middle East. Um, but God gives us, um, uh, he turns gloomy days into bright days as we focus on him. He can bring light into our darkness. He can put a smile on your face and change your attitude. And it makes you fit to live with others and fit to live alone. That's why we pray. Can pray do anything? Yes. It brings God down from heaven to live and work in our lives. So, so far we've talked about the problem, worry. I think we're all guilty. Talks about the antidote, which is prayer. That's what we need to do. And now it teaches us... Um, the next point, and that is the program. What program are we on? Well, program is focusing on God's word. Um, it's that right thinking will lead to right action in our life. This is God's word. Uh, we get it to use it and apply it to our lives. So that program is, is really meditating on God's word. Uh, when we're anxious, our thoughts are removed by prayer and thanksgiving. They must be surely to be replaced with something. And so Paul's program for continued carefree living, to avoid anxiety, is to have our thoughts, you know, come into the scripture. Um, and so Proverbs says, 23.7, Proverbs 23.7 says, And as he think in his heart, so is he. So I remember reading a post that said, You are not what you think you are, but you think you are. And so interesting th thinking here. And so as we focus in on verse 8, and I'll read verse 8 to you, so... Uh, you're definitely tracking what I'm tracking. Um, 
Verse 8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on these thoughts. And so that is what we're to do as we meditate on God's word, to have verse 8 in our minds. And four things we can take from verse 8. Number one, uh, whatever things are true. The inability to cope with truth is a form of mental illness. Paul urges the Philippians to think thoughts that are true, genuine, sincere. These reflections must be true to God, true to others, and true to oneself. So truth in the New Testament is correspondent with God. When one thinks on things that are not true, it is not long before his life reflects the falsehood of embracing you know, a lie. And so number two, think on things that are noble. You know, in our day and age, you know, if you watch the news, most of it's kind of depressing. So be careful what you watch and what you digest. There's some books out there that aren't helpful either, but God's word is a great source of truth. So think on things that are, that are noble. Think on things that are honorable. Think on things that uh, are respectable. If it is true, then we externalize our thoughts. Then honorable people are the result of honorable thoughts. So it's important what we think on, meditate on. Um, And if you're dealing with anxiety from the Miami heat, just keep focusing on the Lord. He'll get them through, hopefully. So last point here on this meditation on God's word in point four is whatever things are pure. Living in the impure environment of Philippi, which Paul is addressing, um, he's saying to them, uh, let your minds be filled with pure thoughts in order to combat the unclean influences of their cultural I work every day with Rick Braswell, and being from Tennessee, he likes to bring up Alabama a lot. And I'm, and I'm sorry, there's nothing more impure than Alabama. Um, but I'm sorry, a side note. Um, that's what I go to when I think of that. I'm like, oh, impure, Bama. Oh, yes. Uh, so anyways, I, I'm sure you chase rabbits in your mind sometimes, you know, and things that are impure come to your mind. For me, it's Alabama, being from Tennessee. So the point here is these thoughts... Um, that are not healthy or not honorable. Um, they're the opposite of what we want to think on. We want to think on pure thoughts, things, things that will encourage us. We want to hear good reports, right? We want to hear testimonies at church, right? We want to hear our friends who are coming to know, coming to a greater faith in Christ, who are having their lives transformed because they're looking to God in His Word, even though they're facing difficulties and obstacles. Um, I can just tell you, when I was deployed last year for seven months on a ship. That first month was so bad because we had all these breakups. Uh, but then, I, and I'll tell you this, there were some blessings that came out of our Bible study. We saw marriages healed. We saw uh, people uh, looking to Jesus and getting saved. I literally baptized four people in the Red Sea last year, right outside of Israel. Uh, they allowed us to, to do baptisms, which I thought was cool, by Israel. Uh, and it's one of the blessings that I always remember from my days on a ship uh, floating around uh, the Middle East and the Mediterranean. Um, so anyways, we want to hear good thoughts. We want to hear things that encourage us. You know, so what are you listening to in your daily life? You know, what are you meditating on? You know, these are important things, you know, because um, show me your book library and I'll show you how your thoughts might be. Um, so it's important to meditate on good things, things that will encourage you. So each of these thoughts characterize, are characterized by virtue and praise. Uh, Kent Hughes, another one of my favorite authors, said he reminds us that this kind of thinking is a matter of choice for each of us. So Paul's ingredient um, is explicitly positive. The true, the noble, the right, the pure, the lovely, 
the admirable are all um, against negative thoughts. So each ingredient was as is a matter of personal choice. And our choices are what makes the difference in our life. We can all choose a thoughtful program which will produce a Christian mind. The good news, we are able to have a healthy mind. Paul, in his program, shows us the effects of our minds. Therefore, let us focus on the positive and reject the negative. As Paul says, Finally, brothers, whatever is untrue, whatever is ignoble, whatever is wrong, whatever is impure, whatever is unlovely, whatever is not admirable, if there is anything shoddy, anything unworthy of praise, do not think about these things. Uh, So our thought life is very important uh, to our Christian life. So we do have a choice in the the matter of our thinking. Uh, We are expected to make the correct decision. Um, Isaiah has a beautiful verse. Um, Isaiah 26.3 says this, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Paul instructed the Corinthians that, that they were to bring every thought captive to Christ. Captive to the obedience of Christ, 2 Corinthians 10.5. You know, and this is challenging for all of us because taking every thought captive to Christ is difficult. Um, have you ever worked in a difficult, you know, job where you had lots of stresses coming at you? So, you, you know, you have to take your thoughts captive to Christ in a way that won't let um, a, a negative conversation affect you for the rest of the day. So it's important that we, that we have a spiritual uh, praise in us. <laughs> Because some days are very dark. Uh, long, long history for me. Uh, when I was in grad school, I was working at Whirlpool. Uh, we make appliances. Um, and so essentially when I was working for Whirlpool, corporate office, I wasn't dealing with the public. I was dealing with corporate. So I would have these builders and these contractors call me and literally cuss me out because 10 of their refrigerators didn't show up to the apartment complex. And so I had scripture all over my computer at the bottom uh, because he was literally berating me. And so I tell this to young Marines and Coast Guard members who say, Chaps, you didn't go to a real boot camp. Uh, I was like, well, I had Whirlpool, so shut up. Uh, But the reality is that we all face negative people in our lives. Just don't let them get the best of you. Don't give them more power than they deserve. And you have God that is there for you who can help keep you above uh, the negativity. And so as we move to our our final point here... um, You know, just to recap for you, we talked about the problem is worry. We talked about the prescription is prayer. We talked about the program is meditating on God's word. And now we move to our final point, which is the promise is God's peace. Uh, This is his protection for you, which is the peace of God. It acts as a guard at the door of your heart and mind to provide security. Paul was promising that when we pray and think to God, uh, he's instructed us to give us his peace because he will guard our minds and he'll be stationed at the door of your heart and mind. This peace guard keeps anxiety from coming in. So in God's presence, there is perfect peace. Uh, just to stop here for a minute, I was, like I said, I was deployed last year. Um, and I don't know if you're familiar with general quarters on a ship. General quarters, it's not a good thing when that happens. Uh, essentially, it means something bad is about to happen. Usually a missile is inbound. And so the Navy is all about training, and the Coast Guard's all about doing. Um, but the, the Navy's always training for bad things to happen. And so on my ship, when I was deployed last year, um, general quarters was set. And so as a chaplain, I had to run down to medical, because that's a great place for a chaplain to be if someone gets hurt. 
we have a fire team that runs to fires, and everyone has their jobs during general quarters. Um, this particular day, uh, we all were in general quarters for like 15 minutes, you know, literally hunkered down waiting for something bad to happen. Uh, but thank God nothing did happen that day. Uh, but there was a missile inbound uh, right next to us in my fleet. You know, we had the Pearl Harbor ship, but the missile was next to Pearl Harbor base, which is in Hawaii. We were on that last loop as you come home to San Diego, and so no one was happy with this general quarters because we're like, hey, we're almost home. Why are you doing this to us? We've had enough training. Uh, but essentially, uh, those alarms happened in our life, and so I was talking to some of the sailors afterwards. You know, how did they? What did they do? Where were they going to with their stress in those moments? Um, and a lot of them told me they were turning it over to God. <laughs> they were fearful for their lives. Uh, but essentially. God is our protector. He's our ultimate defender. So in God's presence, there is perfect peace. Philippians 4.9 tells us that not only will we have the peace of God, but even better, we will be protected by God, the God of peace. He will be with us. He will have his presence with us, giving us comfort and encouragement when difficult problems come our way. God's peace is the peace that will gain you uh, a sense of strength and understanding in an age in which we live of chaos and confusion. It will pass all understanding. Our peace will be supernatural, and God will give you that, that fuel you need uh, to overcome the challenges that you face in your life. In this peace, Jesus promised to his followers in John 14:27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. John 14, 27. And then Jesus went on to say, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Jesus says, I have overcome the world. John 16, 33. So what we learn from the text here is that Jesus gives us his peace and protection. His words bring us good cheer. They give us hope in gloomy days. Even when it's raining outside, we have the hope of Christ in us. So be of good cheer. I have overcome the world through Christ. Uh, He is the victory, and he's won it for you, and he's won it for me. Uh, And our lives can be shaped by peace as we turn these things over to him. The secret lies in in our power is to appropriate that victory and make it our own by practically each day giving our stresses, our burdens over to him, and he will carry those burdens on your behalf. Um, and he will do it each and every time. And sometimes you may not understand why this is happening to you, but God is working in and through your life for your good and his glory. And as we wrap up our message today, in review, when the problem is worry, the prescription is prayer. When prayer has cleansed the mind from these anxious thoughts that we all experience, the program is to think on God's word. The promise for all who follow his counsel is his peace. The peace of God, and best of all, the God of peace. And years ago, um, in pioneer days of aviation, we got any pilots in the room um, or want to be pilots? Well, in the days of aviation, a pilot was making a flight around the world. And after he was two hours uh, from his destination, he heard a noise in his plane, which he recognized as the gnawing of a rat. 
he realized that while his plane had been on the ground, a rat had somehow gotten in. For all he knew, the rat could be gnawing on a vital cable or control of the plane. It was a very serious situation. He was both concerned and anxious. At first, he did not know what to do. It was two hours back to a landing field from which he had taken off, and more than two hours to the next field ahead. So then he remembered that a rat is a rodent. It is not made for heights. It is made to live on the ground and under the ground. Therefore, the pilot began to climb. He started climbing 1,000 feet, 2,000, 3,000, eventually 19,000 feet, then another 1,000, another, and then he was more than 20,000 feet above the ground, and then finally the gnawing of the rat ceased. The rat was dead. He could not survive in the atmosphere of those heights. More than two hours later, the pilot brought the plane safely down at the next landing field and found the rat dead. So worry is that rodent. It cannot live in the secret place of the Most High. It cannot breathe in the atmosphere made vital through prayer and familiarity with God's Word. Worry dies when we ascend to the Lord through prayer and His Word. Let us conclude with prayer. God, we thank you for your Word, Lord, that is strong, that is powerful, that strengthens us for the battles that we all face, no matter what small or how big they may be. Lord, you're there for us. So, Lord, use this Word to guard our hearts when the anxiety and worries and fears may come our way and let us trust you, knowing that you are God, all-sufficient, and our Savior. We thank you for this word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.